From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. I'm Scott Yates, multimedia journalist with the Rockford Register Star. It's Friday, February 7th. We get to listen in on a full meeting of the Register Star Editorial Board. The board has begun its considerations of who to endorse in the race for Winnebago County Board Chairman in the Republican primary contest to be held on March 17th. On Monday, the board met with candidate Joe Shirelli. Today, the board is meeting with candidate Jim Webster. That podcast will air on Saturday. Now, let's drop in on the editorial board's conversation with Joe Shirelli. Hello and welcome to another one of our uh, interviews with uh, candidates uh, for Winnebago County uh, races. Uh, today our guest is Joe Chiarelli, who is uh, in the Republican primary for chairman. Uh, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves so that uh, when we do ask questions, you can kind of match up our voices to our questions. I'm Wally Haas. I'm the opinion editor. I'm Michael Smith, community board member. Isaac Guerrero, reporter. Joe Chiarelli, candidate for Winnebago County board chairman. Kevin Haas, metro editor. Jody Paracone, community member. All right, thank you very much, all. And let's just uh, start things off. Uh, Joe, tell us a little bit about your background and why you're in this race. So, I'm born and raised in Winnebago County. I'm 55 years old. I've been married for 32 years to my wife, Connie. We have two children, Vince and Claudia. We have a daughter-in-law, Shana. And I have a grandson, Vince, or Joseph, apologize. I call him Vince because that's my son's name. But Joseph, who I adore dearly, he's uh, truly a blessing to us, and uh, he's changed my world completely when he was born. So um, I was uh, a product of the Catholic schools in Rockford, went to uh, Holy Family School, St. Anthony School, and Boylan High School. And um, in my senior year, I started apprenticing as a tailor with my father, Vince, who was a master tailor. So I decided to go the route of being a tailor. So um, as when I finished my apprenticeship with my father, I got certified as a master tailor through him because that's who can certify you as another master tailor. And I furthered my education in the tailoring career in Chicago and in New York um, through other tailors to do a little bit more refining to my skill. So I have a lot of experience in that. After I was certified as a master tailor, then I was um, involved in a competition nationally for tailors through the Custom Tailors and Designers Association of America and I was awarded top 100 tailor in the United States. So I was very proud to go through that experience and one of the things in that uh, role as a a top 100 tailor in the United States is to give back um, your skills to teach other tailors, to refine their skills and to also uh, recruit other tailors that are coming into the business. So what I did was try to formulate a a plan nationally and that was a little bit uh, hard to do at that time um, because of the language barriers from people who wanted to learn that skill. So I I refocused to this community. So I put together a curriculum um, of tailoring program that I um, partnered with Workforce Connection and Rock Valley College 
to teach displaced workers in our community that have lost their jobs to teach them a new skill. So that uh, is what I was concentrating a lot of my efforts on too, as my role as a, one of the top 100 tailors to give back to our community. I think it's very important that uh, we do that as citizens. If you have good skills that you need to give back and help others try to be a success in their life. So I did that for a, a few years. Um, there were some flaws in that. Um, it was a program that came out of the federal government and um, the students that I was uh, getting through the federal government and workforce connections had a, a lot of deficits on primary skills of reading and writing. So um, I had to refine that program and then what I did is I brought it to a current state of time to Men's Warehouse, who I'm currently employed with, to bring that program forward to teach people to be tailors so they could uh, replenish the tailors in their businesses all throughout the country. So I worked with the CEO at the time, George Zimmer, and others up in the administration to uh, refine that program that I created for Rockford and Winnebago County. And um, that's what I currently do. I'm currently a uh, store manager at the local men's warehouse, taking care of um, daily operations and the tailor shop, and also teaching tailors that are coming into men's warehouse um, to be able to have a good work uh, ethic in the tailor shops and to also earn a living. So I'm very proud of that. Um, going on from that point, um, I owned Vince the Tailor for more than 20 years. That's our family business. And um, in 2002, I went on the road to teach tailoring. And so I passed that on to my brother, Tony, who was a tailor in town, and my sister, Phyllis, um, who also helps in the family business. So that business is ongoing currently today, which I'm very proud that they're, they're still doing that. So. At that point, uh, traveling the country, and especially in the Florida and the southern states, I started getting connections with uh, in the real estate business. Um, as a young person, my father always said, you know, this country gave him the opportunity to make a living here, and the greatest thing that he could do is buy real estate, because in the old country, you were not able to buy real estate. So I, that was instilled in me as a young person, that the uh, true way to wealth was to buy real estate and develop real estate. So I went on to get my Illinois um, broker's license in the state of Illinois, and I opened up my own brokerage company. And I hired uh, three people to assist me that had a lot of skills in development. And we helped uh, property owners create value on their properties that they didn't know how to do that by attracting different businesses that uh, would locate to their properties. So I did that for several years. We brought in quite a few big developments in Winnebago County and in uh, the city of Rockford and I'm very proud of that because we were able to create jobs and create wealth for the property owners and the businesses that wanted to come here um, needed people who were skilled in putting those deals together so I did that for quite a while and uh, from that point um, that led to being appointed to the Rockford Zoning Board of Appeals uh, Mayor Box at the time was a customer of mine and a client and liked what I was doing in the real estate business and some other things that I was doing um, that he appointed me to the Rockford Zoning Board of Appeals. So I served on that board for um, quite a few years and then more traveling through my tailoring program I had to uh, step away from that board and when I returned to Rockford in more of a consistent way 
uh, was then appointed to the Winnebago County Zoning Board of Appeals, and I've served on that board for about three years, three to four years, and um, then I was uh, asked to run for alderman by our, um, the late um, Bill Robertson, who was the 14th Ward Alderman. He had liked the things that I was doing, so he um, asked me to run, and at the time I did not want to run against him. But um, it later turned out that he was very ill and was ultimately, he passed away. So I understood what he was trying to do to get somebody to fill his position that he could rely on and take care of the uh, ward. So I am currently the 14th Ward Alderman and um, I've been chairman of the Codes and Red Committee for the past seven years. And now I am running for Winnebago County Board Chairman and I believe the skills and experience that I have uh, through business and through government allows me the opportunity to serve our community that uh, is direly needing it today. How do you see the role as chairman today and what would you like it to be? Um, I see the role is limited today just because of the actions of the county board, but I truly believe that this county deserves a full-time chairman to lead our community in the future. It's somebody that's able to work with the board and work with the, all the elected officials and uh, able to connect the dots with all the different things that are going on on a daily level. And um, I, I truly believe that we are in uh, uh, turbulent waters currently, that I have hope for this community, and uh, that's the reason that I'm running today is to, uh, to bring forward those skills and experience to help uh, build those relationships back. I currently have a lot of relationships on the county with the county board members and elected officials, and the temperature out there is that I believe that they're uh, craving good leadership, effective leadership, and they're, it's just not existing today. So we have uh, what I consider 20 managers um, leading the county, which is hard to uh, to lead when you don't have one focal point that uh, has set priorities and goals for our community. And um, it's a shame that's what's going on. And that's another reason why I was uh, asked, just like when all, Alderman Robertson had asked me to step forward, the community leaders and the business community have uh, really asked me to step forward to try to help this community. What would your priorities be as chairman? Um, you know, in 2018, on our on the Winnebago County website, there's a strategic plan that's out there yeah, that the county board and the administration at that time agreed to have NIU bring forward. And I believe those priorities that are in there, sustainable fiscal, fiscal responsibility to, you know, organizational effectiveness, um, you have um, economic development involved in there, you have infrastructure, those are priorities that I don't think have been implemented in a way that it should have been. So those are, are key priorities for any organization. And I think it's a good priorities. And if uh, they just not have, they have not been implemented in a way that uh, is good for our community. I mean, there's a series of goals in there um, that are, have been outlined. And I think that's what needs to be done. So you're talking about fiscal sustainability and good stewardship. Um, I think this community needs good stewards. Um, and good stewards to me means that you're inclusive with people, you make sure you take care of the needs of the people, and not in a, in a, do it in a selfless way. You don't do it for selfish reasons, and I think that's one of the big problems that are going on right now. You have a lot of egos involved, and you don't have the, uh, the people in mind. In my business, um, 
I always say that you tailor people to meet the needs of themselves. And in government, we need to tailor government to meet the needs of the people. So um, I think it's a very simple answer that we need to set our priorities, which I think the priorities were set. They just were not implemented. The goals have been set, and they're not following those goals. They're not following the action plans that they set forward. So if you take a look at that uh, strategic plan, I think it is a good outline of uh, what our priorities should be in this community, which aligns with all the different municipalities. We're going to have to get together at a table with all the elected officials and all these different municipalities and, and towns and, and set the priorities. If we're all moving in the right direction, I think um, we can accomplish a lot of things in this community. Now, currently we do not have a full-time county administrator. Would your preference be to wait until after the election so that you could be uh, part of the selection process? Or do you think that the need is so great that we need to have that person in place as soon as possible? My personal opinion is this, this community and this county needs a full-time administrator immediately. Um, they That person needs to understand the priorities of this county. And uh, if, if they wait until a new chairman is elected, I think it's at a detriment to our community. Um, I have full faith in the organization they picked because they're a vested interest in this community, and I believe they will do an outstanding job. I have been in communication with that organization and let them know my opinion of uh, what type of uh, professional staff should be in place. And it really needs to be somebody that understands our community and understands the priorities of our community. And um, I look at it as mirroring our city administrator, um, Todd Cagnoni, who is very good at being inclusive with the city council members and understanding the goals of the council and understanding the goals of the mayor. And I think it's uh, that should be something that's done in the county. That priority one is to hire a professional county administrator and somebody that understands the priorities of moving this community forward. The difference, of course, between Cagnoni and the current interim county uh, administrator is that uh, the current interim county administrator answers to 20 people. Um, how do you get the board to follow its strategic plan? How do you get the board to do anything um, if the board's not willing to restore administrative powers to the chairman's position? Well, I think the, the county board is in a position that they would restore those authorities to the county board chairman, but because of the lawsuits and all the egos that are going on back and forth, they're not in a position to do that today. But wow. my conversations with them, Isaac, have been, they are all willing to restore the powers um, back, um, and they, they desire that. I just don't, not being an elected in the county, uh, I've tried to have meetings with a lot of the county board members, and it's a common theme for them. They do want a county board chairman at the helm that's a full-time position, and they do want to restore these authorities, but there's broken trust, broken confidence going on in there, and it's going to take somebody that can restore that trust through relationships uh, that they're able to build with them and understanding these priorities. and. Um, um, I hope that answers your question. Do you have this on a guarantee from 11 of the 20 county board members? Um, no, I don't have it as a guarantee from them because I don't think there is ever a guarantee. I think it's going to come down to a point that um, 
if you've got a relationship with somebody through um, business and through um, political ties, I think they understand who you are. Um, and I know most of them that um, know me through my business and through my uh, work in the city, that they understand the type of personality I have and the type of temperament I have. And that um, they are willing to do that, in my estimation. I can't guarantee all of them. But I think as time goes on, you will see that uh, their desire is to move forward from this problem that is occurring. And um, I, that's all I can say at this moment, because I can't predict the future. But I, I believe that there is that desire and the will out there. What would they just, do you think they would just give you the power back uh, just on their relationship with you and your relationship with, with them, what would you be willing to um, give in return for the power? I'm not willing to give anything for the power. I'm just going to be myself and how I've governed in this community and how I behave in my own personal business and my relationships. And uh, we have to build the confidence back that somebody is willing to do that. Um, if you look at the uh, arena of candidates out there, it's a ve very sad um, to me that this environment that has been created, that we didn't get more people stepping forward. Um, it, it's a, a position that's in need in this community, in, in the economic world, in the social world, and in you know the daily lives of the people. And um, it, it's a surprise to me that we only have three candidates that came forward um, at this time, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's very sad to me, and um, I'm willing to step forward. I have stepped forward. I just could not sit back any further as a citizen of this community and as elected official. Watch what was happening to this county government, and um, the desire that the people had to get somebody in there. Um, I'm very fortunate and honored that I received so many calls and people, you know asking me to run just because of my history with them and you know my past behavior on the council I think it's indicative that we you know have a county board that understands that we serve the people and we don't serve our self-interests and that's number one in my opinion and um, I think uh, I've proven myself through the city council and the other appointed boards that I serve on that I have served on and um, I want to bring that forward to our community Okay. Um, you know, one of the revenue streams that the county has are the host fees, the, the money they get for garbage being dumped into the landfill. How do you think that money, sh how do you see that money being spent and how do you think it should be spent? Well, I know the county board has done some work on developing a program for people who are applying to ask for those funds. So I know that has been set. I've been talking to a few of the uh, economic development uh, committee members about that. And um, I truly believe that when you receive any revenue stream that comes forward, you have to prioritize what those needs are. The county board has said it's used, utilized for economic development. Now, economic development can mean a lot of things to different people. And so you really have to have that criteria put in place. And I think they've achieved um, a good part of that today by the plan they have in place. But I think there, it could be used, um, it could be further improved. Um, I have some good ideas on that by talking to some um, business people in this community. And um, I will bring that forward more in the future if I'm uh, you know, lucky enough to be elected 
as the Republican candidate because there's a lot of work to be done. If we do not grow our economic base, we have, uh, we're really going to be behind the eight ball on this one. Um, that's the tr only true way to grow our EAV is to attract and uh, retain these businesses here in our community. And they're, they're craving for uh, some kind of stability out there that they have a clear path for success. And right now they don't know who to talk to. They're not sure who's in charge. And you know, when you, when you talk to 20 different members on, a, on any board, they're going to be 20 different ideas. So you have to have a clear message sent to the businesses and the, the citizens of what that clear path for success is and what the rules are and what the criteria is. And once we set that, then I think the confidence will start being restored. What we do know is what's been attracted to our county. What we don't know is what we've lost because of these behaviors. And that's more uh, scarier to me of what we've lost and what we should not have lost because of this environment we're in. So, you know, the host fees, it's a revenue stream, about $3 million a year that comes into our community, and it's been used for a lot of good projects. I don't know at this point how much of that legacy is going to be paid off. I know a few of those are going to be paid off soon, so it will open up the opportunity more. But um, there have been some people talking to me about host fees and what their idea is to utilize it. And I think it needs to be explored more, and I, we will be exploring it more. Because that's only one revenue stream that should be considered. We need to, you know, in, in, in the real estate business, you can cut down a lot of trees, but you have to plant the seeds for growth. Um, otherwise, you're not going to have any forest at the end of the day. And right now, we're not planting any seeds for economic development. We are not sending the right messages to the people who are going to invest in our community, and we need to uh, make sure that we uh, get better at that going forward. You know, the county levies a 1% public safety sales tax as well. Um, it, you know, and I think overall, if I look at the county budget correctly, 75 to 80% of the county's budget is devoted to law enforcement, uh, as the courts or cops. So, the public safety sales tax, you know, one of the guarantee, one of the promises made when that was first passed was that $2 million would be set aside for programs to keep people out of jail. That hasn't happened. What would your commitment be to that, to those funds, to programs to keep people out of jail? What, what is your vision for that? I agree with you, Wally, on that. I mean, first of all, you have to really understand how much money is coming in and where it's being spent today. Then you can accurately say where they should be, those money should go. Incarceration and working towards that um, is very important to our community. All the work that's being done right now um, through the city and in the county and through the court system is very important work. Um, you know, utilizing RPC, Rockford Planning Council, um, is very important to me. I think it's a great organization that uh, could put forth some best practices on that. And I don't know if it's being utilized in the way that it should be currently. Um, you know, talking to the federal judges and talking to the state judges, there's uh, sometimes conflicting information that comes out. And I think we really need to get to the bottom of that. And, you know, as far as the, you know, 75% of the county budget going to public safety, that mirrors the city. We're around 75% of our city budget that goes to police and fire protection through legacy costs, through payroll, and through equipment. 
So, I mean, it, those are the things we have to look at in all these different police agencies that are out there and, and some type of shared services because if you have 75% of the county budget being utilized for public safety and 75% of the tax dollar in the city going for uh, public safety, I mean, that's only leaving 25% left of a dollar on both the county board, in the county and in the city. And that you cannot, that's not sustainable. I mean, uh, impossible. My conversations with some of the elected leaders throughout the county, some of them, they're one business away from losing their uh, police departments. And, and that cannot continue. Um, that public safety tax really needs to be investigated and where's that money going and how much money truly is coming in and prioritize on shared services throughout this county because um, we've got a Rock Valley Police Department, we have a Park District Police Department, we have a City of Rockford Police Department, the Sheriff's Department. There's a lot of dollars going to public safety, you know, in different pots of money and different revenue streams. So uh, that's going to be top priority for me to sit down all the elected officials and everybody that public safety touches, the courts, and really understand where those dollars are going because at this time it's foggy to me where those dollars are going. If you ask a county board member what the budget is of uh, the public safety tax, they can't tell you. Most county board members can't tell you what the annual budget for the county is, you know, because of all the different budget amendments and things that come through. But if Rockford is around $163 million budget, um, annually in this, the county is 180 or 190. You can't get a clear answer on that uh, million dollar budget. I mean, they mirror each other. So there's a lot of room for shared services. And um, I think an organization uh, that Mike Dunn Jr. heads up is a great asset to have to truly dig into this and um, once and for all get an answer on what type of dollars are being generated and where they're being spent. If you're foggy on where 75% or, or upwards of 75% of the county's budget dollars go, how do you rate or, or judge the effectiveness, uh, let's say, of the Sheriff's Department? Mm -hmm. Well, foggy being in the accurate number, um, rating the Sheriff's Department is where you have to sit down with the Sheriff and his administration and truly understand. If you ask the Sheriff, I don't know if he really knows the county budget because they're entangled in lawsuits constantly so I mean there's so much conflict going on um, I think once and for all they need to get to a table and understand what is the dollar amount that's generated from the public safety tax what is the sheriff's budget and what where can we live within our means to provide public safety I mean if you look at the uh, mission statement of the county if anyone looks at that mission statement, it says providing high level of service to its constituency and provide a sense of security for them. That comes right out of the HR department. That comes right on the website of the Winnebago County. And when you look at that and you ask yourself, are they living up to that? The answer is no. You have an HR director who's suing the county now, and it clearly says in there that to prevent and educate people for sexual harassment and, and workplace discrimination. So it's very hard at this moment not being elected and getting your hands on the accurate number to understand where the improvements can come from. Sure, sure. And that's why I'm saying it's foggy because it's not only I'm foggy, there's the sheriff doesn't really understand the total budget because they keep fighting about it. 
I mean, and the county board members don't really know the annual budget. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, about the, uh, when I say rate the effectiveness of the sheriff's department, aside from the fogginess on the budget numbers, um, do you have a clear understanding of uh, the, the level of public safety that the sheriff's department provides? In the city of Rockford, you're very familiar with comp staff. Um, what, what public safety metrics need to go up? What public safety metrics are just fine? Um, how do you assess how safe the county is? Do, do, do you have a handle on the crime level in unincorporated Warnabago County? Yeah, and I, I'm a, a strong advocate of that data. I mean, uh, when those dashboards came out and other uh, measures in the, in, for crime came out, it was very enlightening, and you can really track it. The county doesn't do that currently. And um, the effectiveness that I see in, in the public safety is talking to the sheriff and talking to the uh, police chief. Okay, they had a very good relationship working together, and um, at this point, I don't know how much further they can go without um, everybody sitting down at the table, the mayor of Rockford, the, the county board chairman, and all the different elected officials to really get a handle on this crime that's occurring. I know it's going down in the city of Rockford, according to our data. I'm sure it's the same in the county, and um, because they're working together to reduce that crime rate. Um, what the actual number is, no, because there is no data that comes out um, from the sheriff's department, but I can assure you my conversations with the sheriff and the uh, Rockford uh, police chief, Dan O'Shea, they are working together to combat that, and there's so much more that can be done together. And um, I look forward to that and being, a, being able to facilitate those conversations. You mentioned uh, Micah Jr. and R1PC. I know the county is really integral to the success of their land bank. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, over the last several months, have you noted any sort of constraints that they're having with the county or maybe opportunities going forward should you take the helm? Well, just paying attention to the process they went through to approve the land bank. It was very stressful, it was very um, sluggish, and um, there was a lot of good questions that came out of it, and there was a lot of uh, stonewalling that came out of it. It's a definite tool that's needed in our community, no matter where it's the city of Rockford or Winnebago County. And um, to truly understand is one of the breakdowns. Um, if that county board truly did not understand the effectiveness of that tool, in the land bank, that, that's a fault of the higher up. Because in the city, when we were first notified of this tool, it was explained to us as aldermen what the effects of that tool is and what's the effect of not having that tool. And it was very clear to us that the advantages of having that land bank form was very advantageous to our community as a whole. And um, I think it's always about good communication, good education for any elected official, um, because being a part-time alderman and being a part-time county board member, if you're on the other side, you have to have clear understanding of the issue and clear understanding of what it does as a tool. And um, of course, that um, land bank is much needed. We're doing some great work in the city to reducing blight and utilizing that tool. And again, it, it, to me, it, it comes down to good communication, good priorities, and understanding the issue of what it, what the effects of that vote would be. 
you know, one of the bigger issues in our community is domestic violence, mm -hmm. and we have the Family Peace Center. We've got a temporary location picked out. What do you see as the county's role in supporting that center going forward? The county must support that. They have to support that. It is a huge issue in our community for domestic violence. I've been involved in this initiative from day one. No matter if you're a, a, a city of Rockford resident or you're an unincorporated Winnebago County res resident, we all are residents here in Winnebago County, and this issue has to be addressed. I applaud the mayor for doing it. We've been involved heavily on this issue. I've been involved heavily with Remedies Renewing Lives in the city of Rockford and their plight um, that they went through in 2013 when I first became alderman. They approached me, and um, not knowing truly what population they served, it was fear-based. When you hear about the um, drug addiction and they wanted to move that location from downtown to my ward, there was a lot of fear involved. Until I got educated on who the population they serve, then it became visible to me that it was not just the worst of the worst drug addicts. These are business people, brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and mothers and fathers that were being served. And so it opened my eyes to a different approach to it. Um, and I'll tie this back to domestic violence because Remedies Renewing Lives has a lot to do with domestic violence. So in that situation, Wally, um, they came to me and they said, we want to move into your ward. And I got the education on what they're doing. I says, that sounds really good. What's the problem? They said, every place they've gone to, to apply to move that location, they've been either rejected or they had to withdraw because of public outcry. So I said, well, give me this a little time to think about this. So I went to the neighborhood that they wanted to move to, and the first meeting I had with the neighborhood residents did not go too well. Okay. When I reorganized the meeting back to them, I got a little bit more education on what they're, what they're doing, remedies. And the second meeting, the question was asked, who in here, family member, or who in here is a friend, has any type of addiction in their lives and everybody's hand went up and at that moment in time empathy started to occur to understand the need so the third meeting we schedule with them then we brought in the remedies folks and the leadership I brought in the police chief at the time and I'll tell you Wally what happened was now that it touched people's lives that they understood who's being served um, they wrap their arms around it. At that moment in time, when they made the application, the Zoning Board of Appeals was a unanimous 7-0 to zero vote in favor, which never happened before. They didn't have one resident come in and object to the application, and the full City Council 14-0 to zero vote on that. It was because we included the residents and educated them on who they would be serving and the need in this community and not only the addiction level, but on the domestic violence level, to have that uh, shelter in place. That central location where they wanted to locate where it is currently today, now they are expanding because of the services. Okay, they, they need more room to be able to serve the population that's out there in a more effective way and, and streamlining it more. So I was very proud of that that finally they were able to make the move they desired 
and not be shut down because of fear. And one of the things about this Family Peace Center is that the fear is being broken down now. The ability for people to come forward, to be listened to, and have one central location is amazing to me. And going on the tours of the different uh, family peace centers, if you call them, throughout the the region, uh, was eye-opening to me, talking to the victims, talking to the administration, talking to the service providers, and what great work they're doing. I think this is a testament to the dedication to this issue that is plaguing our city um, through the addiction and through domestic violence. And I'm proud to be a supporter of it. Uh, No matter where you stand politically, this touches people's lives every day, everywhere you go. And uh, I will stand behind it and I will make sure that this, uh, the county and the county board has a thorough understanding of it. Because that's what need that's what's needed is the education. I don't sense at this time there's anybody that's opposed to it, um, but at the same time, more education that comes forward, the better off this community will be being more inclusive with all the different agencies that it touches. Should the county help fund the family peace center? I think the county currently has stated to the county board members has stated to me currently that they're willing to fund. Okay, it. it they're not willing to fund. They have to give a good reason of why they do not want to participate in helping our community with this problem that's occurring. Because it doesn't matter if you're a Rockford resident or a county, uh, Winnebago, Durand, Pecatonica. It doesn't matter where you're at. People are people, and this is affecting all of our lives. So we should be a partner at the table, absolutely. Is that is that a desire you've heard from a majority of the 20-member county board that they're willing to fund it. And also the second part, um, when you say fund it, are we talking on the operation side or on the capital side? I think with the, the county should be on, on both sides of this issue. How can you not be on both sides of this issue and truly be effective? I mean, if we're going to really get together and solve issues in our, and come up with solutions to these issues in our community, um, I cannot say a majority, but what I can say is that when you bring an initiative forward, you have to truly educate and have people understand what they're voting on and the implications of saying no. And that's what I'm saying at this point. Um, I don't believe I've ever run into any county board member or any elected officials that say this is this is crazy. We shouldn't even be involved in this. Okay. So my job as a county board chairman is to educate and to gather enough support that the majority sees it that way. And, you know, you can't just go in it alone. When I was dealing with Remedies Renewing Lives, I had to bring in the experts to talk. The people, once they realized that it affected their lives every day, then the experts re- reinforced that. And you've got to have outcomes associated with it. You've got to have strategy, strategy associated with it. You have to have a lot of different things working at the same time. And if you have a mayor of Rockford who's placed this at the top of the level for domestic violence, you had better understand that the county and the county board and every community in this county, it affects. And to say no is what question are you posing to them and what appetite would they have if they say no to approve it. And I think that's what a good uh, leader does. Is, shows both sides what the negative effect is to not approve something and what's the positive side effect and then you bring the budget into it 
and what dollars are available and what dollars should be shifted um, to that cause if they're not available. So that's my personal feeling on it, but it's a, it's a, it's a cause that's worthy of a lot of education and a lot of talk. Another big issue in our community is the access to mental health services. We have an issue on the March ballot uh, for a referendum to increase the county sales tax one-half uh, cent to fund mental health services. Uh, where do you stand on that referendum? And, you know, as chairman, you would have a pointing power to some of the, to the advisory board on that. So how do you view that whole issue right now? Um, so it's interesting, Wally, that in 2018, that was one of the goals to be worked on, a long-term complex goal, which is for mental health. And, you know, in 2018, that's two years ago, they were talking about it. And when the uh, referendum question came up on the county board, there were some that didn't act like they even knew what was going on about it. And again, that's not always the elected official's fault. It's the fault of the people who bring it forward have to educate people. When any initiative comes forward, you have to have time for education and understanding. And I think at this moment, um, I don't have enough education on it to understand what the outcomes are going to be. What are the goals? Where are the money going? How is it going to be effectively used? And, you know, what's the strategy? What are the action steps taking place to utilize that? And what are the, what is the outcomes that we need? And, you know, I think that can be clearly defined. And I believe it will be clearly defined, but it's a need in our community, just like any other addiction. That's a, the mental health is a disease. It's just like I have diabetes. I take medicine for. I need to be treated, otherwise I'm going to die. And mental health to me is a disease that needs to be treated. And how we go about that um, is the question at this moment in time. So. Um, again, it's all about education. It's all about understanding the outcomes and understanding the road to get to that success. <coughs> Are you concerned, as, as I've heard uh, one county board member suggest, that um, you know, if this mental health tax uh, is, is approved by voters, um, that, that this, this has the effect of essentially jumping the line uh, in terms of the county's needs to go to voters for more money because the county has a systemic budget problem mm -hmm. that many on the county board believe cannot be solved without more revenue and that would require going to the voters in some, some people's minds. Yeah, so, I've heard that also, also, Isaac. And again, this goes back to priorities. This goes back to the goals of the county and, you know, organizing those goals. And there's no organization on the goals course people are going to feel like they should have brought forward a public safety tax initiative to bring forward to the, the county. Um, so the fault is the leadership is not making sure that the priorities of this county are being implemented. They're not being executed. And like I said, in 2018, this was being talked about by the county board and the county administration. This is one of their goals. And that broke down. So if that would have been talked about, and that would have been a priority for our community health, because that's one of the priorities in, 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 for, in the county right now, is community health and public safety effectiveness. So how does that break down to say, 
we're upset that you're first and we came in second or that we should be first, you should be second. It's all about setting priorities, setting your goals and taking action on those to have the greatest outcome. We have a lot of needs in this community, a lot of needs. It's just that we don't have our priorities tightened down and every vote you take, you need to make sure that needle is moved towards that priority to have the best outcome for our citizens. And that's how I believe things should be done. I mean, you have to have a roadmap for success. And right now, when you have no priorities that are being aligned with your goals and your strategies, uh, this is the outcome that you get. There's confusion and there's, you know, people who just don't understand on both sides, the ones that are for it and the ones that are not for putting it on the referendum, that this was a goal in the county. And it was set for a priority, and they took no action on it. If the budget is um, a matter of priority, um, and, and, and how, to, how to balance the budget is, is a question of priorities, um, what revenue source would you prioritize to fund a comprehensive capital plan for one big county? And again, Isaac, that's another one of their goals in 2018 through NIU, through the strategy plan, that the CIP was very big on the list of goals. No action has been taken. Okay? So dedicating a specific revenue stream to that CIP really has to be part of the whole big picture of what the goal is and what is the sustainable CIP for this community. You know, having sustainability to take care of the needs of the present but it's going to hurt the future generations is not acceptable to me. You have to be aligned on both of them. What's the acceptable for the present and acceptable going long term. And right now, again, that's one of the goals and priorities that were set that have not been addressed in two years. And if they have been addressed, there's no common consensus on it. So I will come in and take a look at where they, what work they've done currently if a, if a comprehensive plan is not set in this for a CIP and what revenue stream should be dedicated to, to it for sustainability. And right now, it's so hard as an outsider looking in to say, I think this should happen here when I don't have all the facts and figures that I could get that are accurate because most of them don't know what the true factual information is, you know. But again, if you set a priority and a goal, you have to have an action steps to achieve that. And like I said, in 2018, it was set. They took no action on it. And if they have, they haven't come to a consensus on it. But I don't think it's something that's insurmountable to understand. And um, I look forward to attacking that when we get in there. So if the county board doesn't have a priority in terms of how to fund a capital plan, right? There's property tax, there's sales tax, we have a host fee. Um, the county board hasn't decided what it's going to do with marijuana revenue. Um, the county board may not have prioritized it. But you're running for chairman. What is your priority in terms of a revenue source to fund the capital plan? Do you, do you have a priority? At this moment of time, it's so uncertain, Isaac, that yes, I do have a priority. You need a capital improvement plan. What the revenue source is is uncertain because I'm not in there at this moment to know how many dollars are being used with those revenue streams and where that money is going currently. 
once I identify where that money is going and how much money is coming in, then you can see what part of that revenue stream should be allocated toward it, towards it. There should be a common theme in this county government right now, and that's priority number one for these for economic development to attack and have a plan on this infrastructure because that's one of the statements I made earlier. The business community is uncertain. There's not a clear path for success going forward. <clears throat> so until I get into as elected official to really know what those dollars are and where they're going, then you can formulate a priority to say we need to increase the sales tax or we need to go bond this. But at this point, I can't say that either way because I don't have a clear understanding because of the information I'm getting is so conflicting. Nobody truly has that dollar amount where it's going to. You can say there's so many dollars going to it, but then when you talk to the party that's receiving it, they say they don't, they're not receiving that. So that is one of my major priorities to align with that capital plan, to make sure we have a capital plan. I've seen the net effects of having a good capital plan in Rockford is. We just passed the second largest capital plan in history. And I see the effects of those dollars and where they're going and how to leverage those dollars. So that's a conversation, holistic conversation that needs to take place with all the people and the stakeholders involved. When I talk to elected officials outside of unincorporated Winnebago County, they want to share that money too that they're not receiving. There's a lot of community elected officials that are feeling, why aren't we getting any share of that public safety tax? And I said, have you ever asked? No, we haven't. Well, we nobody's listening to us. And that's one of the big things that has to change in our communities. Uh, you know, you talked about how the best way for you to control property taxes is to expand the tax base um, through economic development. Are there tools that you see that you would want to use, you know, two administrations ago, uh, things like uh, we're invested in bringing water and other um, utilities to that Baxter Road area to help grow industry out there. Uh, do you see tools that you would use to invest in order to ensure economic development happens in the county? Of course. I mean, that Baxter 39 corridor, is uh, that is the future growth, or one of the future growths in, in the county. And um, those investment dollars um, are soon to be paid off through some of that TIF and some of that bonding that was done. Um, we need a, a strong plan in place for that economic development out in that area. There's a lot of tools of, in economic development that can be utilized. We utilize them all the time, enterprise zones, um, some tax abatements, um, just depending on the deal that's coming forward. But that, if you talk to R1P1 or R1PC, that area is the strongest economic driver um, for our community, and we just got to get our hands around it. And what happens is when that intermodal, when you connect air, rail, and, um, and freight out there, there's no stopping this community for growth out there. Those are real dollars that will bring up the EAV in this community. You know, so this, yes, there's a lot of tools that we can utilize that we utilized in the past. I'm not a big fan of TIF districts as, uh, unless it's pay-as-you-go. There was a lot of bonding done with that previously to when I was on the council, and we had changed that. And um, we saw the effects of bonding of those TIF districts. So pay-as-you-go TIFs and tax abatements and enterprise zones, um, those are all tools that are, are needed. We talked a little bit about prioritizing host fee dollars. Uh, obviously, the landfill's a big 
uh, potential economic driver. But what we didn't talk about is, uh, you know, the landfill is also a source of ire for the people who live in that neighborhood, subject to some EPA complaints, subject to lawsuits from the neighbors in that neighborhood. Uh, what do you see your role is in, in ensuring that the landfill is a good neighbor to the people who, who live out there? Well, that goes to being a good steward also, again. If you have good stewardship as a county administrator or county um, board member or county chairman, you have to listen to the plight of the people. And I know I've just met with a whole group of them this past weekend that live in that area, and they're, they are negatively affected by the odor out there. And so the conversation went like this. A true representative of the people will find every opportunity and every way to help alleviate that your safety, your health, or your welfare is being impacted by a business. Okay, the legally, I don't know at, to this moment in those agreements what the job of the county can do to help alleviate that. But I do know this that there are ways to alleviate that, working with the landfill owners and to have them be good stewards in this community and good business members of this community. And I know that they're taking steps now to correct that through the EPA. But again, we have to be able to, our first primary duty is to our people who elect us. They are having a major problem out there, and it's the duty of the county board and the county administrator and the county board chairman to make sure there's some type of relief put in place for the future there. There's not, that's not a good situation to be in when you have a revenue stream that's coming $3 million a year from a business that's uh, causing an impact on people's lives. You have to get back to the table and come to an agreement to understand that both sides of the issue, issue on this deal of the odor and the water quality and whatever impacts they're having in that area to um, come up with a remedy for the situation that both parties can live with. Um, and I think that's number one, in my opinion, by talking to these people. They do not want to shut that business down. What they do want is them correct the situation, correct what's going on. And inside that, in those agreements, the first thing I would do is have the state's attorney review those agreements, see where the opportunities are to have a positive impact for the people that live in that area. And, and if it is all on the EPA and 100%, then you need to use your state leverage on that to make sure that the state puts leverage on for the EPA to correct that problem. And I think um, those are the issues that I understand them by talking to the residents and talking to the people at the landfill. You know, Joe, I want to get back to this notion of, of executive power. There's going to be uh, perhaps a, a, a referendum on the November ballot. Uh, we'll see about the executive form of government. But before I go back to that whole issue of power, um, let me just sort of, what is the county doing right? Because the, the chairman is the face of county government, right? And so the job is partly cheerleader. Um, are there any sort of unsung uh, victories or things that the county's doing right that um, that uh, you want to be out there and tout or promote? Or what's the what's the county doing right? What is the county doing right? Well, I, I'm, there's a lot of things they're doing right. They have done quite a bit of work. Um, the economic development as far as the uh, 
Nothing is an okay answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> if people could see the faces in this room at this moment. <laughs> Listen, I, I, you can't say they're not doing anything right. Okay? But, again, what they're not doing, I think, is more dangerous than what they are doing right. There is more that we don't know than about the negative effects of what's happened than we do know what's right. And um, right now, we need to change this environment, Isaac. It's imperative. If you, There's so much work to be done to grow our economy, to have a, a CIP plan in place, to work on the court system, to have efficiency in there, to reduce the population at the jail. I mean, you can go on and on and on. But at this moment of time, the, your question to me is, what are they doing right? I don't know. And I can tell you, it's probably some things that are going on right. Right? But they're not being brought to the forefront. Everything else is in the forefront. Lawsuits, uh, harassment claims. Um, nobody's right or wrong in those. When you get sued, there's no right or wrong. It's just, it's not done in the court system yet but it's the breakdown it's the conflict that occurs you know when I talk to the business community they feel like they don't have anywhere to go They're, they have no confidence when I talk to the citizens out there the biggest thing they ask me are you crazy for running for this position when I ran for alderman in 2013 people wanted to know what the job of alderman was now when I say, I'm Joe Shirelli, I'm running for Winnebago County Board Chairman, they say, are you crazy? And I have to defend why I'm running for it, Isaac. So I'm sure the county and the county board are doing some things right, but right now I'm focusing on what's wrong and how we have to correct those things. So. All right, I think we've come to the end of our time, so uh, why don't you wrap things up uh, and... Uh, you know, tell us, tell the voters why they should choose you March 17th. Well, thank you, Ollie, and thank you, everybody, for here giving me this opportunity. We need to do this more because you guys ask some very intelligent, in-depth questions. That, you know, spur answers that sometimes when you're you're saying an answer, something else pops up in your mind. So I appreciate you know what you guys do. So I'm running for Winnebago County Board Chairman just because of the things I stated. The environment we are in today is not conclusive. It is not conducive to any growth in our community. In private sector, in public sector, the relationships have been strained and the elected officials feel no confidence. They don't know who to talk to. The residents think that what's going on, they're not being served properly, which they're not. And so I want to bring the skills in the experience that I have brought forward from my business relationships and in my business that I have had in this community and my experience on the city council and bring that forward to forge relationships, to build consensus, to work with the elected officials and truly people have to understand I am a city of Rockford Alderman. I understand the structure of government. I know what it means to be included, and I know what it means not to be included on information that comes down from administration and staff. I pledge to the people and to the county board members that because of that experience, I know what should not happen. 
And I'm pledging to the citizens of this community that they will be heard and they will have policies in place that are clear, concise, and make sure that the impact on their life, that their quality of life goes up, not goes down. We cannot sustain this type of environment in our community. And I'm embarrassed to sometimes to say that we have to defend our community for this behavior because most of my time running for an election is defending the fact of why I want to do it. I stated earlier on, I thought there would be more people running for this position because it's a need in our community to help grow. When you serve people, you serve them to have a positive impact on their life, not to be selfless and not to do anything other than make sure that their lives are improved. And right now, that's exactly why I'm running and I hope uh, I have the opportunity to serve, but I can tell you this much. Stepping forward and taking action is the one gift that I can give this community. If I'm fortunate enough, God willing, to win this election, I will do my utmost to continue the hard work that has been brought forward in this community and, and really have understanding and empathy for these decisions we make and work with the business community and work with the residents. This is no other action of my part but to help our community. And um, I hope I'm uh, allowed to do that going forward. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, we can end the tape there. This concludes the Register Star editorial board meeting with Joe Shirelli, a candidate for the Republican nomination for Winnebago County Board Chairman. Their primary contest will be held on March 17th. This show was made possible through the journalism of the Rockford Register Star. The episode's theme music is called Funk Game Loop by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and Filmmusic.io and is used under a Creative Commons by 4.0 license. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com. Do 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 do